1: Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Thanks for joining us this lovely evening. And it's going to be a very exciting one, as it always is when Mary Joyce is here. Uh, I want to thank First Ken Quiethawk for his great intro. Please check him out on Google. Uh, he's a native storyteller, and his way of preserving history and cosmology and teaching lessons to the young. Uh, through stories is a much preferred way to teaching history in all aspects, much better than dusty books. Mary is here with us again tonight, and, and this is always once a month I get to talk with Mary, and it is just such an exciting time. She is the editor of Skyships Over Cashiers, that's www.skyshipsovercashiers which is probably one of the best, most informative websites out there in the field of paranormal and mystical and strange and wonderful things that are happening. Uh, She is a reporter of, um, let's see, how will I put this kindly? Reporters used to verify, verify, verify before they put material out there. They don't do that anymore today, but Mary does. And when she has material that she puts up on her website and she reports, you can, you can count on it. You can count that it's been investigated and it's been verified and that she's very sure that this is not just somebody's wild imagination running away with them. And it's refreshing. Now, her website has archives that go back at least a decade or more, so you can get yourself lost in that website for days, hours, whatever, always have a snack and something to drink and tissues by your side because her material um, is well put out there it is well investigated and it's the kind of website that you can you can actually just just absolutely lose yourself in the uh, articles are are short but poignant and and well well written and there's always a good picture too and i always like to have pictures with my stories and it will titillate you to the to the point where you will be forced to probably go, go back and investigate other areas of the material she's put out there. And that's what I consider to be the best kind of teaching site out there. She gives you enough to make you curious, and, and that means that your own creativity and your own imagination takes over and you begin to teach yourself and become a teacher for your own evolution. It's a brilliant way of teaching, it's an amazing way of doing it, and she's done it for a long time. So, welcome to the show, Mary. Glad you could join me again tonight.
2: Uh, Thank you. I think we ought to take your listeners uh, on a behind-the-scenes tour of what you and I did this afternoon, or today. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We are in two locations and and different states, and when... um, Barbara called to confirm the time for the show tonight. Uh, She brought up um, something that some of the listeners had brought to her attention, which was that um, uh, I'd I'd, uh, done a posting and also did a a, a radio show with uh, Barbara about Admiral Byrd. And we talked about how he flew into the interior of Earth from the North Pole. And that really got a lot of people concerned because so much evidence points to the fact that it would have been in Antarctica, not the Arctic, not the North Pole. So I know that I was investigating stuff after that, and I'm sure Barbara was too. Um, There are two uh, publications or two little booklets, I I call them pamphlets because they're really quite short, um, that have addressed this uh, secret diary that he had. One of them was called The Missing Diary of Admiral Richard E. Byrd. The other one's called The Secret Lost Diary of Admiral Richard E. Byrd and The Phantom of the Poles. The last one that I mentioned is, uh, it gets into a lot of commentary by other people. The first one is just that basic diary. Now, here's the problem how in the world? can he you know how can we decipher where this really happened was it the north pole or was it antarctica and i went back and i read his uh diary real carefully and i'm going to read the key paragraph and he said i must write this diary in secrecy and obscurity it concerns my arctic flight of the 19th day of february in the year of 1947 Clearly, it, he has written out the word Arctic, not Antarctica. So, so when I uh, spoke the last time about this subject and when I wrote about it on the website, uh, I always go back to the original source. This was coming from his diary. So I use that even though the bulk of the sources say this happened in Antarctica. So we're left with a whole bunch of puzzlements, and it all goes back to the Admiral himself. Um, Did he just lump both Artics and just use that term interchangeably? Did he deliberately do it since it was a secret diary, and just to confuse people? um, I do not know, and I don't know if we will ever know, but that's what I was wrestling with today, and Barbara can now jump in and tell me what her research was.
1: Well, I found um I have found in in a number of places um it it reported that it was Antarctica and that made more sense to me. Um I for did, did you get the the article that I, I forwarded to you Mary, which is
2: uh No, I haven't.
1: Okay. Well, what what I found fascinating was it it you can find it in both places. And the article that I found has, um, I think, four different books that are written by either Richard E. Berg or Richard Berg, Richard Berg, Richard Berg, and, e- Richard, and uh, Richard Evelyn Berg, Jr. So there are four books out there that um, that, that seem to, con- you know, say it was the Antarctica Um Story of the second bird Antarctic expedition. Um so uh it it's the more that I look into it, I find both. And when when in his diary he says I must write this in secret, my thought there was he's telling you that, that he's coding it somehow. That it right. is And he not, used the
2: word obscurity too, so he this may have been something that he did just to Mm -hmm. hide where this place really was. I'm kind of leaning that that might be the case because, uh, you know, the North Pole technically is in the water, so he would have had to have landed in in, uh, Greenland or somewhere else. There was some confusion um, in that flight when it seemed like uh, uh, his plane was overtaken and controlled by an outside source. So, uh-huh. if indeed all that is true that he wrote about, then it could have happened in the north, and he could have landed. He who knows where? I don't know. Well, I do know, but I don't know if we'll ever know now.
1: Oh, probably not. But um, I'm hoping that the four books that were written by Bergs, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get them and read through them because, um, it just if if the 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 ships that the people from hollow earth um or inner earth whatever you want to call it they they called them flugelbergs which has a german it's connotation german, A to german it. word yeah and uh, the swastika was on uh a number of their vehicles again you knew that there was a german um base in antarctic and when Operation um, Oh crap, um, high jump took place, they told everybody that Admiral Berg was at the North Pole when he was really leading this expedition at the South Pole. Well, so, if I had to make um, a
2: conclusion right now, I think he did that deliberately to throw people off the track. It was a it was yeah. a secret. He was he was uh, he, you know it was he was deliberately making it obscure. And at this point, that is what I'm inclined to believe, because it is more well, it, logical that it would happen in Antarctica.
1: Well, yeah, and and, but but you know I because I I know how you research, and I had read at least one of the di- one of the versions of the diary, and then I then I heard him mention in another in in several other. Books that I had read about you know hollow earth and inner earth, and when you get to the message that the the um the wisdom keeper or or the head of the uh, the head mucky muck that he talked to um you know there was a message for humanity there, and he gave the message to our government, and our government ignored it so correct uh, so, so and they told they ways, told the
2: admiral to keep his mouth shut, you know so. Uh, there again we have the government not wanting things to get out to the public
1: well and and also protecting inner earth um from from other people i mean, I mean what better way to protect inner earth than to disguise the entrance to it
2: right So anyhow, I don't know if that clears up anything for anybody, but if anybody was uh, (laughs) listening, when you and I talked about Admiral Byrd the first time, at least least you know that we're trying real hard to give you the truth on these things. I even um, requested uh, the papers of Admiral Byrd, the originals, which are in the archives at uh, Ohio State University. Uh, I have not gotten a response and probably never will, but when I got into their archive records... There, there's tons of boxes, and they tell you where they're located. And so I guess if somebody lived right there where the university is, uh, they could go in and, and find some of these things because they give you, um, like even the one where this diary would be located, it gives you where it is located. So if somebody is in the area of Ohio State University and want to really do some research on it, maybe they can... Find the original. Wouldn't that be nice?
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm I'm tempted to. I mean, there are four other books. One is the Kingdom of Agartha, A Journey into Hollow Earth. The Marquis um, Alexander Saint Eves, Oh, I forget. I can't read that. It's French. Um, the but when Diary, I, but which, see, you
2: you're getting into secondary people.
1: Yeah. Well, that's know? why and I thought that the four books by the birds would be mm-hmm. probably more authentic. So, and right. I didn't realize that that there was um there was a second uh exploration uh to the Antarctic by by at the South Pole by um Berg. So, um it's uh you're right. And and you know, when our government keeps a secret, you know, strangely, um when it's Something like this they 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 managed to lock it down pretty well, so yes, um, they do. i am you know i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna get those other three books and read through them and see if if there's any information there that might shed some light on this but but he was so specific in saying, I must do this surtypally and right. and you know it, it, so so by saying it that way, I think he was telling you he was coding it in some way and and I don't know. Um,
2: that's that has to be my assumption at this point.
1: Well, you know, according to the the um, illustrations that we've seen and everything, there's a hole at the top and the bottom. So
2: it could yeah, be. Yeah, but either somebody one. else. Those were not part of his diary. Those were put in by whoever put put it together. So all okay. we really have to go by is what he supposedly wrote himself. And uh, well, when I've so anyhow
1: when i when I've managed to get through the books by the birds, um, <laughs> I'll see if there's anything in there that can clarify this for us. Otherwise, I welcome everybody else's investigation. I think it would be kind of fun to see if anybody can you know, scrape up anything that you and I have, have missed or will miss.
2: So we'll no, put it out there to the right audience. In, that leads right into what I was originally going to talk to you about, and uh, that, it has to do with how the, the government, again, um, just comes down on people and won't let them talk. And um, when I lived in Cocoa Beach, I worked at the college down there in uh, Cocoa, and I lived between, well, I lived real close to the Space Center. I could see the launches. I could feel the vibration. Uh, mm. So I was right in the heart of it. And. Uh, one of the more memorable people that I met when I lived there was um, um, an astronaut, and he's the only astronaut I've actually you know, met in person and talked to, and his name is Clark McClellan. Now, Clark, at the time I met him, had been an aerospace engineer for NASA for 35 years, which is a long time. And yeah. because he was an engineer... Uh, they wanted to capitalize on that kind of um, skill, and they tra- he was trained as an astronaut. Not that he was going to be shot out into space, but they wanted him to be what they call a spacecraft operator. This means that he could test the vehicles before they would go, if there was a problem when, they were, when the space shuttle was out there. Um, he could uh, oftentimes fix problems from mission control, because he was an engineer and an astronaut, so he had two really key positions while he was working as a spacecraft operator on one of the the flights, um, he had these monitors that were all around him, and one of the monitors showed the uh, open bay of the shuttle um, the open bay for the shuttle, and in that he for over a minute saw a very tall alien in a spacesuit who was probably eight or nine feet tall, and in the cargo bay with that uh, alien were two normal size, um astronauts. At the end of that um, cargo bay, he could see where the ship for the alien was docked or hovering. Um, it wasn't like what we expect uh, a UFO to look like or a spaceship to look like it looked like a real smooth winged um flying creature in a sense but very smooth very um stylized and um he talked too much he he thought that the people or the the public had a right to know more than nasa was letting um them know and uh he 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 spoke out a number of times he uh, also spoke out um about the space shuttle uh, not the space shuttle, the The disaster that we had back in um, uh, the 80s when the, uh, the space shuttle went down. Yeah, when that crashed yeah. or blew up. And yeah. um, before that happened, he and some of the other people who worked at the Kennedy Space Center were very concerned because they had allowed, um, I think he said, uh, 18 or 19 uh, Libyan nationals to work at the Kennedy Space Center, and he thought that was just idiotic, as did others, but they were threatened that if they made him you know think about it that they would they were threatened with prison and he quote said, "I came close to being put in that prison because he felt that it it was really, really wrong as far as he was concerned, and others also who were having to keep their mouths shut. They felt like those uh, Libyans had sabotaged the Challenger, and that's why it went down. This was really, really personal for him because his girlfriend was on that flight and, uh, uh, and, and was killed. So knowing what he knew beforehand and then what happened, you can imagine how torn up he was. Now, I met him. Um, I, I don't know if he was totally booted out at that time. I think he was. If he wasn't totally out the door, he was about to be totally out the door. And one Sunday afternoon, um, he, I was invited to come over to where he was staying. And he was, at that point, renting a room from a, uh, a friend uh, with a little bungalow house in Orlando. And so there was just this you know, a small group of us there, and he really kind of went through, it was almost like therapy for him because he was just letting out all of this stuff that was happening. And um, so I've always had a great deal of sympathy for him. Um, but the the government blackballed him after that, and they've done that to other people. And uh, um, after he lost his job at NASA... Um, he had a tr- he had trouble getting any kind of a decent job. I think he ended up being a bus driver sometimes, and of course maybe just basic social security. So he really was penalized. Um, he's not the only one. There's other ones too, but uh, he just he spoke too much and he criticized too much. So it's it's the inclination that I think many of us would have. You know, if we saw something wrong, we would want to point it out. If we uh, uh-huh. felt there was something the public needed to know, we would want to get it out to the public. And you and I certainly would want to do that because we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't feel that way. So I have yeah. great compassion for them. And anybody who's really deep into uh, this kind of thing, what really went on at uh, at NASA, um, uh, Clark's Papers were finally published by somebody else after he died, and he died just about a year ago. And um, uh, he couldn't; they would not allow him, or it, ne- it would never work out for him to publish it while he was still living. But um, he had a plan, and uh, a guy named Harry Cooper, and I don't know the relationship between the two men, but Harry Cooper, with some financial support from other people, got the book printed. And uh if somebody's deep into this kind of subject, the title is called Space The Final Frontier. And Clark McClellan is, is the name. The editor is Harry Cooper. Um McClellan is kind of a hard one to spell. It's M C and then capital C L E L L A N D. Um and he has lots of stories beyond, you know, the one you know, the ones I just told you.
1: hmm
2: uh-huh. I'm taking a well, break. You
1: know, I- okay <laughs> um I, I i think i think that you know all of us have have seen uh, it, 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 it's been called conspiracy and yet it's not because um i have i have a friend whose father was one of the um military guards at area fifty one now this man was in the military for a very long time and when he um when when he was you know dying, even she said to him, you know, can you tell me what went on? He just looked at her and winked, and mm. it was it was sort of like I, I you know there is I don't know there is a mentality within especially the military that that you know if you are told something you do it you don't you know it, there's it, it it really is uh, they threaten your life and you believe it. I mean, if mm-hmm. somebody said I'm going to kill you, I I'm not sure I'd buy it, but um, in situations like this, and and I think you know I, I go I go back to Tesla because it feels to me as though he was actually murdered, but but his his life was destroyed because of what he wanted to share with the public and and wasn't able to, and these are not these you know these are not isolated cases. It happens all the time, and. When you think of our, our government, you don't think of a government that will, will heavy-handed people to the point where they, they're afraid to talk. A lot of the astronauts that went to the moon saw uh, alien spacecrafts and have not been able to talk about it. And so, you know, you do begin to wonder just, you know, what is being kept from us? And uh, certainly this poor man, his life was, was ruined because of it.
2: Um, and, and he was frustrated, I think, from that time on because he wanted to get the information out and it was like he was being blocked every time he tried to. And so I think, you know, it's too bad he couldn't have just totally disconnected and walked totally away because the man must have been frustrated all the time. But he, he one of his friends was another astronaut. His name was James Irwin, and he was on the Apollo 12, um, you know, flight to the moon. And um, I'm going to quote you on this. This this is um, an excerpt from um, what was written in Clark's book, and this is Irwin talking. And he said, Yes, Dave, and Dave was the, um, I think, the commander for the Apollo 15 uh, mission. He said, Yes, Dave, Scott, and I observed several small, whitish or metallic objects flying overhead. Whatever those things were, they had intelligence, performing tight angular dives and port and starboard sweeps above us. We heard no sound of thrust. They were very fast critters. <clears throat> uh, he said, yes, there were what we call lunar tracks on the surface, as I recall, just like a vehicle tracks, which was very strange because we had not been traveling there in the lunar rover before we made this visit. They were not made by any other known craft of the United States or the USSR. Uh, It almost appeared as exploratory mining activities into the lunar surface with a few what appeared to be as um, efforts of, uh, you know, mining or digging for a mine. He said, I also briefly saw what appeared to be structures in the far distance above and beyond the mountains of Hadley Rill. Structures that appeared like glass or crystalline, high above the lunar horizon. I had a good view of whatever it was or is. So that is a, a, a quote from astronaut James Irwin that he shared with Clark McClellan, which is in Clark's book. Uh huh. So that's that's an wow. example of um, you know how you know we we it's just so hard to get the truth uh, to come out. And uh, another story I did uh, quite some time ago was, um, oh, let's see if I can even remember her name. She, uh, Diane, Diana, Don, Donna Hare. Her name was Donna Hare, and she was an artist for NASA. Um, she had won awards for NASA. She was very talented, and um, she confessed on a radio show in Washington D.C. Uh, a number of years ago, I can't remember now what year it was, that uh, she and others uh, deliberately and were directed to um, airbrush out structures that were in photos uh, of the moon. Wow. So the truth comes out, but it comes out in little bits and pieces, oftentimes spread out over great periods of time. And often at the great expense of those who share the information.
1: Yeah, that's the sad thing.
2: Mhm.
1: Um you know, it's it's just sort of, it's sort of like, My God, you know, how how can you um you know, how how can you it it you get to the point where it's how can you trust anything? <clears throat>
2: Well, I'm going to tell you something that I hadn't thought about until maybe a, uh, a couple months ago. Uh-huh. The um, the aliens are more in charge of things than I think we think we think. That was a sentence for you. And uh, <coughs> they may, they've been quoted as saying that um, they don't think we're ready. So they may be the ones that are clamping down on information being revealed. It may not well, just I, be the fault of our government. I,
1: I do believe also that there is a non-intervention, and when Berg went down below, um, you know, he, he was basically told that they were they were under orders to not interfere with with us, but you know, to observe and when the time was right to help us along, and then we we got um, atomic power and. Uh, you know, Screeching hawk came to a lot of stuff, and it was like they have to stop us from, you know, utilizing atomic power. And when, r- purportedly, I don't know for sure, I wasn't there, but when Eisenhower met with the aliens, it is said that one of the reasons that he, he turned down one of the offers given him was that he had to stop using atomic power, and he refused to do that. So... It feels like I, I, it makes sense to be a non-intervention because certainly, I think somehow I, I think we we shouldn't have discovered atomic power. I, I think that you know we were in enough trouble when it came to killing each other before that happened. But so so my thought is, you know, I know that there are aliens that, that have helped out certain people in certain places, and yet. If they've been here for centuries or, or millions of years, as some, as some of the races say, um, in, in many ways, they were here before we were, so it's actually their planet, sort of. And, uh, and yet they can't give us the technology that would help us to get to the place they're at because they're not really permitted to because of that non-intervention code. And yet we've reverse-engineered a lot of their vehicles theoretically.
2: Well, I'm not sure we can be trusted with much more.
1: <laughs> I think you're
2: right. <laughs> I think we're right, too. And what's going on over in Ukraine right now uh, has, uh, I mean, we're closer to a, a war, you know, that, that would have impact us in a great way than ever, I mean, since World War II. Well, they're um, also
1: lining up. There, there's, there's what's happening over there in the Ukraine. And, 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 it's almost like, and in the wings, China is about to, you know, um, usurp Taiwan again. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing humanity as a whole regressing regressing into military and war and power struggles and and all sorts of stuff like that, which for a while we didn't have. You know, it may have been under the surface, but it wasn't as in our face as it is now. And and so many people keep thinking that, you know, we're so evolved that it's time that we ascend to new levels and become part of a cosmic brotherhood, and I couldn't disagree more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the older I get, the more discouraged I am at how dumb we are as a species.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I um, I do believe there is a vast brotherhood out there, but... I, I would like to hope that they were further more along than we are, because the inhumanity we show to each other is just—it's just—it's painful and it's—it's it's frightening and it's—it's—it's it's, it's horrible. And uh, every time you turn around, there's there's something else going on that is that is you know just—it's wrenching. We had the Holocaust. We have the Uyghurs. We have. Um, you know and, and and then we have our own country which is going through changes too so that our system of government w- may well change because of all of the um upset and everything that's going on around us so i think we're here at a very interesting time and it's it's really quite fascinating um isn't, but, but it, old, also,
2: isn't it an old chinese curse may you live in interesting times I'm not sure that's accurate. I've I've gotten that secondhand, but I've heard it a number of times.
1: Well, I think that's appropriate, but it's also the other comment, and I don't know where it comes from. It's not mine, I can tell you that. But, you know, you have to pay attention to history or you'll be forced to repeat it, and I think that's what's happened.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Um, so many people uh, are treating, you
1: know, blind that. Go ahead.
2: Um, Jumping back to... um, Uh, the aliens perhaps uh, trying to keep us from you know keeping our governments from keeping us from knowing things and that truly Uh could be the case and uh, there was um, the head of the Israeli security space program um, his name was Chaim Ashid and Uh he came out um, in December of 2020 and I found the article in the Jerusalem Post and He said quite a bit, but there were a couple lines that stuck out uh, from the article. Um, He said, They have been waiting for humanity to evolve and reach a stage where we will generally understand what space and spaceships are. There's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe and they want as, us as helpers. And then he also said there's an underground base in the depths of Mars where their representatives are and also our American astronauts. So I'm kind of shifting the blame from the government to the possibility that these aliens are keeping a clamp on, you know, what we're allowed to know. That's very possible.
1: And yet, you know, we, we've got to... Conspiracy theory with the secret space program that's out there that that you know is has been out there for for decades, and uh, the fact that there is a um, there, there is a some sort of center on the moon, and again in Mars there are there are already colonies there, um, and you know the the more I look at it, the more I research it, the more I look at the different books, and and a lot of them, if you read them ten years ago, you would have said this is poppycock, mm-hmm. and yet today it it's not poppycock. It's there's just a could real. It could very well be true.
2: It's very hard to prove it. It's very hard to prove it, but it could very well be the case.
1: Well, look at what look at what happens to you with your Google the arctic google the moon and google mars you've found things in in all of those places when you've been searching for whatever is there and and you have found things and yet when you try to publicize them and people go to those sites they have been they have been airbrushed out by someone something and and you intelligently get a screen view of it so you have something to show people, like, this is what I saw, and this is what is there now. I mean, I did that with, I think it was something in the Antarctic that you you, you gave the GPS to. I went to the GPS, and there was nothing there, and yet your picture showed clearly structures and layouts of a town.
2: Right, so, and you can go and, and, and you can put the two, you know, the one that they've messed with and the one that I originally found and if you look real carefully, you can see hints of what I had seen in the first photo, but never enough to be conclusive.
1: But, but you know, there are people, I, I won't call them whistleblowers, but there are people that, you know, have come come out of the closet, so to speak, and said, you know, yeah, I was one of the people that airbrushed a lot of the stuff from NASA, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I you know, why would they not want us to know this? Why would they keep us in the dark? It's just... It's 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 not a fact that we can't deal with it because that's ridiculous. But um, there are other countries like in South America where where the UFO material is, is free. It's out there. They talk about it. It's there. This is mm-hmm. what happens. So so the United so, States. So we're
2: the in. worst. That we're the worst at uh, covering it up, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, and, I have you know, no idea.
2: Most of the time. Uh, People get off easy, so to speak, like Clark McClellan. He lived to be an old man. Um, Uh Like I said, he died about a year ago. But um, uh, not everybody's so lucky. Uh, Quite a number of years ago now, I did an article about William Pollack. William Pollack um, designed the security system for Area 51, also for Air Force One, which is the president's plane. And I have met his... Uh, wife, uh, interviewed her, and she is absolutely convinced that uh, he was killed. And they can do it in a way where it looks like, you know, it was natural causes, Um, but um, she absolutely believes that. And uh, one of the stories that uh, she shared with me that was one of his stories was that they... um, Uh, he had to go to a meeting at Tonopah. Tonopah is out in Nevada. It's it's a little bit more secretive than Area 51 or a little less known. And Uh um, when he went into this building uh, where they were having this, this meeting where everybody was going to present their information, this plane pulled up as close to the door as possible. This man got out with a briefcase. He was described as having, um, like, high European-style clothing or suits and and shoes. The man sat in the back, and he listened to everybody present their information. Obviously, it would be top-secret type of information. Uh, Uh He spoke briefly, I guess, at the very end, and um, Bill told his wife that he spoke in high German. Then he got back in the plane and took off. And there are indications in in pieces like like that piece that indicate that the Nazis may still be running things behind the scenes. Oh,
1: no question. Uh, Brad Olson's newest book, Beyond Esoteric, Escaping from the Prison Planet, does talk about the fact that the the and and it's it's the Nazis that we brought over. In operation paperclip. Correct. And 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 you know these are these are people that we changed their names, we gave them um we gave them jobs, we gave them new careers, we gave them new names. And and of course they brought over with them too a lot of the gold that the Nazis had, you know, sent over mm-hmm. to the United States to be used here. So yeah, the Nazis are still there obviously and I think one of the, the things that to me is, is so frightening is how, if it is true what they say, that they have integrated themselves into every aspect of our government and so that there's no part of our government that is clean and clear and just for the U.S., that that there is this influence in there and it's being controlled from somewhere else and I don't know where. Right. So, so it's, uh, it's something to watch for. It's something to pay attention to. And, and just like with the Berg material, um, there was a the swastika. There were German names there, and, and it, it was kind of like, okay. So, And then you have the, the theory and, and a lot of material that says that the Nazis actually did have um, a, a um, base under the ice, miles under the ice and that a lot of the U boats that have not been found are are still there. And and so it's it's and a lot of the scientists apparently were taken to that particular place so that they could continue their their um research. And and I'm not talking as much the the um horrible things that Mengele did. I'm talking about scientists who were into the technology and seeing, you know, how something worked and how that how could they incorporate it into something of their own? Because with high jump, um, you don't know if those were alien saucers that attached that attacked uh, Admiralberg or if they were German ones that had been retro um, developed because of the, the the saucers that they had that they could you know kind of retrofit and understand what was going on and, and build their own. So mm-hmm. um, and isn't it was it on Mars or was it on the moon where there was a building in the shape of a swastika?
2: Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I, not, I, I I don't know.
1: Yeah, it doesn't come from, from skyships over cashiers, but I, I do think that there is a building or a structure that is in the shape of a swastika that, that mm. may have been a base for the Nazis at some point in time. Don't know if they're still there, but. Yeah, no no, they they've gone underground, but they are still there. And you know, with the massive tunnels that are being you know, that are that are being ta- that are that are being drilled underneath us miles down. Um you know, we're we're just sort of like ants, you know, it's kind of like are you a gardener at all?
2: I uh, no, not really. Well, can I understand even if I'm not?
1: Sure. Um, <laughs> peonies, peonies when they get their buds, in order for the buds to bloom, ants have to eat the coating that is on the bud so that so that the flower will be able to bloom. And in many mm. ways, I think I think we are the ants on the surface that are taking away so that so that something beneath us or beyond us is is going to be able to take over and flower. So
2: I've said I've said this many times. I'm a short-term pessimist and a long-term optimist.
1: <laughs> I'm right with you.
2: So in the long run, I, I mean, think there's there will be good outcomes, but I don't think we're done going through all the um, awful stuff.
1: No, I don't think so either. And you know, just as an observer. Um, Obviously, I suffer at the grocery store and the gas pump like everyone else does um, i i I came out of the grocery store today with i think seven apples, a sandwich, and a bottle of um of uh vitamin C. It cost me seventy dollars.
2: my goodness, yes. <laughs> Is that all you got?
1: That's all I got.
2: That can't be right. Are you sure somebody didn't no, try that, to cheat you at the, at the cash register?
1: Yeah, no no the apples were real good apples. They were cosmic crispies and they're, they're delicious, but but I, I may have to uh curb my appetite here, but and and where I used to come out of the grocery store between 100 and 200, now it's between 200 and 300, and it's like overnight.
2: Wow, you must eat a lot.
1: (laughs) Or not well. I don't know what it is, but thinking seriously of, you know, I did put aside a lot of food, and I'm going to get a freezer, and I'm going to stock my freezer with stuff, and, you know, if there is a hard time that's coming along, um, I'll be able to eat my way through it, and um, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll eat well. But, it's you know, you you. You, you see these things coming, and who could have possibly anticipated that when the pandemic hit, that the big thing that everybody struggled for was toilet paper of all things. Mm-hmm. And and now with these trucking convoys that are not obviously delivering stuff, um, the the shelves are 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 just there. There are things that are empty that. That they aren't being able to get. It's hard to get a good used car because they can't get the parts for the cars. Because a lot of it comes from China, or a lot of it is stuck on a ship floating out in the harbor someplace. So that you know, and and I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen grocery shelves empty for the first time ever. You know that the, they just can't get the food in. It's not that it's not available. It's that the, the stores can't get the material. So, you know, it's, I, I think that we're seeing um, a new form of government is going to take over. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, wish I had, you know, wish I was that good a psychic, but I'm not. All I know is in order for humanity to move forward, we have to tear stuff down before we can build stuff up. And that's what we're seeing. So, the, we're,
2: the tearing it, part. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, well, it's, a few people, a few they're...
2: people who've been real rascals are beginning to get caught. So that's, that's true. kind of good. That's kind of, that's that's encouraging. By the way, Harry. I felt real strongly about this, and I posted something on. Uh, we have a Facebook page for the website, and mm-hmm. um, I found a cartoon that was actually done by a cartoonist that I worked with when I worked at the Orlando Sentinel, um, and it has a little boy at one computer, and he's saying to the adult I'm being cyberbullied and the adult at the other computer says tell me about it and it's a cartoon <laughs> of uncle uncle sam being whacked over the head with a cartoon of putin which says russian hacks and so i i use that cartoon and then i just said with the rumblings of war in ukraine computer and electrical grids far beyond that region could be attacked, including those in the USA. Make sure you have lots of cash that's readily available. If the systems are taken down, even for a relatively short time, it could be a problem without a stash you can access. So I just was feeling that so strongly I had to put it on the the Facebook page, and that's not generally what I do. I generally post um, things that are on the website. Um,
1: uh-huh.
2: On the Facebook page, but, just
1: just other, an intro with a
2: link to the website. To the website.
1: The other thing that's happening, and and um, they're finding that people in in DC are suffering from the uh, the uh, Havana the Havana syndrome, where um, electronics were used to get at people's heads and cause headaches and blackouts and all sorts of things. And it, the first time they saw it was in Havana, by our um, embassy, but but it, it's occurring now in Washington D.C. as well, and I think that's something that that you know people have to also be aware of. Um, it's a type of
2: warfare. War it's warfare. It war. is,
1: and, and and the other thing too to pay attention to is that Harp. Um, was orig- we were told was originally set up to help um to help with the weather and I believe they have used it as a weapon rather than anything else i believe but they've also the-
2: used it to manipulate weather as a weapon
1: exactly exactly mm-hmm. i think i think the haiti tsunami was was something that we we did ourselves um i mean if 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 HARP had been put up to help balance the weather, then why didn't it you know, put rain over the, the massive fires that were all over the, the, the West Coast? And right. certainly, why, why didn't it try to change the, the tracking of hurricanes and typhoons? It, 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 the only way I have seen HARP utilized is, is through high frequency technology aimed at people. Rather than the weather, and that's scary, and it bothers me.
2: Mhm. I used to do um, a post-harp maps periodically, especially uh, when there would be like a severe kind of storm. You, I could see it being built up with with on the harp maps, and uh-huh. um, it, it got to the point where those were taken down. You can no longer publicly access those.
1: No, it's it's. Um, and between that and chemtrails and I used to laugh at chemtrails. Now I am not laughing. Um what's what's happening to our environment, what's happening to our food, um you know, it's it's sort of like how do you keep clean and clear? Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I, I, I think we can. I think that, that being aware and alert and paying attention and being able to uh, discern what is conspiracy theory and crazy people and conspiracy theory that's accurate. And and because the two are so similar, it's hard to tell the difference.
2: Mm-hmm. Right now, I think we're being dominated by crazy people.
1: Yes, <laughs> I would agree.
2: Uh, I think that's a much bigger problem. I mean... I cannot believe well, the and, kind of people that get in positions of power and control who are absolutely, radically—I don't know—I don't have any words for these people. So well,
1: they're either I'll, incompetent or, or they are—they're um, they're not crazy because I think they know what they're doing, and or they are putting into positions of power people who are incompetent so that they can run rampant over them. And that's really a very intelligent way of taking over without taking over. Right. You know, why go in why go in with a coup when you can put people in power that are incompetent and they're gonna screw the government up so that all you have to do is pick up the pieces when everything is said and done. Right. It's
2: it's anyhow, an let well, I'm gonna switch yeah. I'm gonna switch this because I think we the that your audience deserves to have a more upbeat thing to end on here. And okay. um, I, this, this just got posted. I haven't even sent out announcements of it, but it, uh, the webmaster put it up today. The title is Boys' Past Life as a Fighter Pilot, Incredible Proof. And oh. I've, read, I've read books, I mean many books on reincarnation, uh, starting uh-huh. with the research of Dr. Ian Stevens, who studied um, 3,000 cases of children who claim to remember past lives, in fact, he uh-huh. devoted uh, much of his 50-year career uh, at the University of Virginia School of Medicine to documenting this. Well, none of his cases come close to this, and none of the cases by other researchers come close to this. This is the most incredible past-life story I've ever seen or read, and it's, it's written in a form that's easy to read. The book is called Soul Survivor. If anybody is interested in the topic it is worth reading. And what makes it work is the the father of the little boy was adamantly opposed to the possibility of re- reincarnation. He really fought it every step of the way. And so he was absolutely driven to disprove these things that his son, who was a toddler, or would say. Well, it, it didn't work out that way. Everything he found uh, just proved that what his son was saying was true. And uh, it makes for a good read. And if you're the least bit interested or cur- even just curious about reincarnation, great book to read called Soul Survivor.
1: Oh, there is there is definitely truth to that. And, and interesting you say that because the next show that I'm doing with Solaris Blue Raven, uh, which is supposed to be this Sunday, but we're going to move it to the following Sunday, is on past lives. Okay. So... We're going to be going into those too. I, I think there is great validation for the fact of it. Just look at the Dalai Lama. Um, that that's you know that that deals with reincarnation. You know, right off the bat, because when one one dies, they go for a search to find where he is reincarnated, and and he has to pass a number of amazing tests in order to be, you know claimed to be the new Dalai Lama and then they school him and teach him and, and you know groom him to take over and that's that's how this last Dalai Lama got got uh picked and this Dalai Lama is is an amazingly wise man so that uh having gone through that process is really quite quite amazing so definitely we will we will check that out and um you know I will have to go Now that the show's almost over, I'll have to go to your website and check it out.
2: But one of the things that, uh, this isn't the most incredible part of the story. It's just one where I found good visuals for it. And I've got pictures of um, three of the G.I. Joes. One has dark hair, one has red hair, and one has blonde hair. And and those were his toys. And um, he named them. um, He was little, and he gave them uh-huh. names that his parents couldn't understand where the names had even come from, um, because they didn't know anybody uh, by the names of Billy, Walter, and Leon. Um, when his dad got deep into his research, um, he found out that uh, three of this little boy's um, fellow pilots back in World War II had those names, and oh, wow. the hair color the hair color matched. the the men themselves and the names
1: oh that's amazing
2: and they even found they even tracked down um, he had a a sister that was still living and uh, I've got a great picture of the two of them together and he looks so thrilled to be next to her and even though he's a little boy he's got uh, his arm around her almost like a big brother and he was her big brother and um he knew some stuff um that she had that nobody else knew she had and um so it was things like that that uh, helped prove um that you know he absolutely had a past life so, well I, I, think I think more my, i think more people need to consider that reincarnation is a reality
1: absolutely and and you know there are there are some people that you know fake it and then some people that that are that are authentic like this, and um, I think there's one about about a little boy too in Mongolia. I think I, my sister I think sent me a um, a link to that. Not I'll go look for that too, see if I can find it. Um, it. It is it's it's a fascinating thing, and it can give you great information and insight, so long as you're not using it to just play around and avoid the reality that you're supposed to be living now. Right. But it can give you a greater depth of understanding of what's going on as well. So as we draw to a close, I want to send everybody, once we're off the air, to Com. It's a fabulous website, and you will get lost and enjoy the trip. And, and Mary, thank you so much again for being with me again. This is This is one of my favorite shows of all of them.
2: By the way, one final thing. Right beneath the story about the little boy that I just told you about, I have evidence of reincarnation in the Christian Bible, because the the most adamant um, disbelievers of reincarnation tend to be conservative Christians, and I think they'll be surprised that uh, the Bible really speaks of it, not using that word, but clearly they are speaking about reincarnation. So oh, with that, absolutely. I will wish I will wish you all a good evening. <laughs>
1: Thanks again, Mary. And thank you, everyone, for um, joining us. Mary will be back the last Wednesday of the month. And um, please make sure you check out the YouTube channel and subscribe or or follow. And uh, let us know you're there because uh, we really appreciate it, and we enjoy knowing that people are paying attention. It gives us greater... um, greater insight and greater understanding as to what you're listening to and what you like and makes it easier for us to program accordingly. Thanks a lot, and good night, everybody.